we are <clears throat> right in the middle of a series. Um, last week, we talked about how First Timothy is teaching us about what it's like um, to have someone older, wiser, more mature pour into us as younger, less experienced believers. And, and I even say believers loosely because honestly, like discipleship doesn't begin necessarily at, you know, the moment that you become saved. Discipleship starts long before that as, you know, different lessons and things like that are taught. And so Timothy is a book that's written to Timothy by Paul. That's right. Paul is the older believer in this scenario. Remember, Paul's planting churches, and he's going to kind of start this, this book off with this call to stay where he's at, to continue doing work, and uh, there's some things that are going awry in the Christian uh, in the Christian community there. Primarily, that people have kind of started kind of drifting away from um, their beliefs. And so, in this moment, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it's like to have someone older uh, share wisdom with you and how you, this is really what I want to talk about, how you can maximize these years if you'll take a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of advice, a little bit of encouragement from those that have gone kind of before you in the same way that a lot of us had to do uh, when we were younger, okay? Last week we started off with this, these two questions though, and, um, and you answered them, you were honest, I appreciate that. If you weren't here and you would like to chime in on this question, I guess you probably could maybe later. Um, what is the toughest thing about being a teenager? And then what's the toughest thing about being a Christian? Um, ironically enough, there's a group of moms that were asked this question uh, recently, and they were kind of answering on your behalf, or like what, what they think you might answer. And so here's what moms are, this isn't on the screen or anything. Moms are very aware that you've got pressure. Moms are very aware that um, that pressure to achieve, uh, get good grades, um, a college decision eventually. Um, I think some of you even said there's pressure to be perfect, even though we aren't perfect. Some of you said there's um, these expectations to behave a certain way as a Christian, um, to not um, step over boundaries too much, or or, or maybe even just to not push your beliefs on other people. Um, I asked a couple. <clears throat> I asked a couple friends um, who are my age what they felt about this question, uh, how they would have answered it as a a teenager. So here's here's what I asked. It wasn't these questions exactly, but it was, what would you say were your biggest pressures as a teenager, and what were uh, what did I say? Well, what was the toughest thing about being a teenager? What was the biggest pressure? So I got a couple answers from, I talked to a few different people, just kind of reached out. Um, and these seem like maybe they haven't changed much since 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Am I good enough to succeed? Uh, what am I going to do after high school? There's pressure of college and career choices. Uh, someone else said um, sports was a, uh, a really, really big pressure from coaches, teachers, friends, and parents. Um, someone said that dating was a big pressure. Um, someone, was, um, someone was just saying, like, there, there was just no answer to this question of, like, how is success defined as a teenager? Or how is success defined, like, right after I graduate high school? And so, um, for me, one of the things that I was thinking was, 
um, who I was. Like, it's just in a big general sense, like, who exactly am I? And I think even some of the responses that y'all gave last week spoke to that, like, figuring out kind of my beliefs and figuring out how to navigate this difficult world we live in. Um, I thought it might be fun um, to put you, um, put you in a place where you know that at one point I was a teenager too. Now I'm 40, and I'm very much not a teenager, um, but I want to remind you that I was once a teenager, and so I brought a picture of, a, of a, me and my f- best friend at the time wa- washing our cars. Um, that's me on the right. Um, that was a 99 Ford Taurus. I know you're jealous. Um, most people confused it for their grandma's vehicle, um, but I did in fact, have subs in the trunk, um, and I had a whole speaker system inside, and so as much as it looked like your grandma's ride, it sounded like a teenage boy's ride, okay? And what's funny about this is I I picked this picture because uh, we were very into our cars, and we were very into our sound systems, Um, and I was very much into a sound system around the time that I started dating Christy, still had it at that point, And I remember going to visit her family, and she said, hey, I just need you to know this. If you pull up with loud music, my dad is going to want to murder you. And I said, gotcha. All right, I'm going to keep that volume all the way down to zero, and that's super helpful. Um, But I was the kid who, like, would pull up at a stoplight and turn the music up just to be that guy in the intersection, right? And uh, I want you to know what I'm listening to. I want you to, like, know how cool I am, and which is not cool at all. Um, but here's, here's what's different, though. I picked this picture on purpose because in this picture, I was probably 17 or 18. Um, now I'm 40, and I've got a wife, and I've got kids. And um, no joke, this was pretty recently. Um, we've got a teenager living in our cul-de-sac who um, loves to pull in late at night and blast his music, and I, <laughs> I don't think of it like I used to, though. It's not cool at all anymore. Um, in fact, I told my friend this the other day. I said, dude pulls in, he parks in his driveway, and then for like 30 minutes just listens to music as loud as he can, and it's after my kids have gone to bed, especially my younger ones, and I like, <laughs> I do this dad move where I walk out the front door and then I just kind of, I just kind of do, this is the dad move right here. You just kind of, or maybe this one right here, or, you know, I don't know what your dad's stance is, but I'm looking around. I'm just kind of staring a hole through them. And um, they're like, man, that's so annoying. How late was it? And I was like, it was like 9.15. It wasn't that late at all, actually. Um, I'm old and I recognize that fully right now. Um, but, you know, times change, right? Times, times change, and so we can take the picture down. It's, it's annoying and obvious. Um, but um, the, this, the, the times change, um, but here's, here's what's happened is I've learned a few things uh, about what it was like to be a teenager, um, and I, I want to maybe help you in some ways, uh, but I also don't want you to just take it from me. I want to um, invite a friend up here, so... I have a friend, Tessa, who's going to join me on the stage. Come on up, if you will. Uh, just give her a hand. Let's give her a hand. So if you, if you uh, were here, who was here during baptism service uh, about, I don't know, a month ago or so? So Tessa's one of our students who got baptized. In fact, Tessa was um, the first one to get baptized. Have a seat, if you will. Um, she was like one of the first people to tell me that she wanted to get baptized. And so I'm pretty sure that you guys got to actually pick the date. 
No one knows that until just now, but that was really special. Um, Tessa, one of the things that I, 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 one of the reasons I wanted to bring you up and kind of just let you, let you kind of teach us a little bit was because as I learned more about your story, I learned, first of all, that you're not scared to tell your story and that you have had moments where um, you, you've, <clears throat> you know, had those pressures of teenage life, but also this kind of call to be a Christian, and I wanted you to maybe share it a little bit. But first, before we do any of that, Tell us, like, you decided to get baptized. Like, what was behind that decision? What made you want to get baptized? Well, just, like, just knowing that, like, God would, like, be with me every day and that I could put my faith in God and just showing the world that I'm not afraid to say that I am a child of God and that I am faithful in every decision I make with him standing by my side. That's awesome. That's awesome. In fact, you, um, I, I, I don't know if anyone knows this, but... Uh, we gave out those unashamed bracelets. Was that in the? Was that like in August or September or something like that for the Roman series? And um, and so you've got one. Awesome. Um, who is still wearing them? Or is it like holding on by a thread? Or is it like still still holding strong? Stretchy. I put one on and it was just like this, and I was like, that's not going to work. I'm going to die. It's cutting off my circulation. But um, so but you got some and you said, hey. Um, can you give me some more because some kids at my school saw them and they wanted one. And then you proceeded to ask me that same question like seven weeks in a row until we were out. And I, I was still, just like, still hand them out. you like, still hand them out. Yes. This is awesome. Okay. Well, um, here's what I want to ask you. Really two questions. I'm going to ask you one at a time. Um, what are some ways that you felt pressure to like go along with the crowd? Like as a teenager, we all feel that pressure, you know, but it's, you know, just as any teenager does, what are some ways that you feel pressure to go along with the crowd? I, like, I have felt pressure, but, like, I don't feel it often. Like, when I see people, a group of people, like, doing the wrong thing, I'll, like, step away and knowing mm. that that's not right, so I don't get involved with that. But really, I, I have gotten pressured, but, like, I haven't at the same time. Like, you haven't, yeah. So, and I think what's interesting is that a, as you grow, that pressure will probably mm -hmm. get heavier and stronger and, you know, I'm sure we could invite any student up here to talk about, like, what it's like to go through that kind of pressure. How does, so the third question then is, like, um, and maybe if I could, I'm going to rephrase the, the third question. What are some things that, like, make you want to step away from that temptation or, like, kids doing the wrong thing or whatever? Like, what makes you want to step away from that? Just knowing that it's not right and that maybe if I did really the wrong thing, I could end up in jail or someplace I you really went straight don't want to, to jail as a consequence. Well, I mean, like if you do something really, what really kind of bad. Things are, what kind of things are they doing wrong? Is it school? They vape. They okay. All right. They do like wrong things. Do they vape at church? No, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. I mean, maybe who knows? But okay, so yeah, but the decision is there's real life consequences. Do you have, like, faith reasons? You have faith reasons? Maybe, like, so, like, if, I, if I'm afraid of something happening because I'm going to go to jail, that's more like a, like a real-life consequence. Not that faith isn't real life, but, like, the police are going to come get you whether you're a Christian or not, right, if you do something illegal. Um, what, what, are, what are some reasons maybe that, you, like, you've learned from the Bible that, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever had a moment where you're like, man, I really want to stand out as a believer, um, you know, and so maybe there's reasons to stand out as a believer. Have you ever had that, like, man, I want to stand out as a believer, and here's why? I have had that. I don't, I don't get your question. You don't get my like, question? rephrase it. So what are some ways that 
you've decided to stand? So this oh, may be a better okay, question. What are some ways you've decided to stand out as Christian? Okay, so in the past, one of my friends, she has had, like, family trauma and, like, all this trauma, thinking that her friends don't like her and that she's very unwanted. Mm. So she had, she would get these, like, cuts on her hands and she'd, like, want to end herself, her mm. end her life because she thought she was unwanted. So she sent me this long paragraph saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't take this. I'm, like... I need to end my life. And I told her, just calm down. God loves you. You're awesome. And I asked her, hey, have you ever prayed before? And she said, not really. I thought about it, but I always thought it was kind of weird. And I told her, you should try praying. And I said that I'd prayed for her too. And that I prayed for her. And to this day, she's doing great, better mm. than ever. That's awesome. Dude, praise God for that. That's, that's amazing. I love that. And I think that, I think that it's, I mean, here's the deal. Let's just call it what it is. That's maybe one of the scarier situations that like teenagers can be put in because it's like, man, I don't know what to do, you know? And I just, if I can just take the time to say this, if you're ever in a place where you're like in that scenario and you don't know what to do, first of all, chat with your parents, chat with your, you know, me, um, any one of our leaders, you know, any one of our ministers on staff, pastors on staff, um, and we would love to be able to help you through that because you don't have to feel alone in that moment. And you had support, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure that you could be like, hey, mom, what do I do in this scenario? Did you do that? Yes. Okay. So how did that go? Did she, did she freak out on you or, you know, did she, how did she help you? She like, she kind of told me what to say, like, say, hey, have you tried praying? She told me like the steps to go through. Like, cause when I saw that long passage of what she sent me, mm -hmm. I freaked out. Cause I've never been with a, like a person who's told me like, hey, yeah. I'm going to and myself, and I don't know what to do. Like, I've never been, so I just went to my mom and dad. They told me, introduce her to God, ask if she's ever prayed, and stuff like that. So, Well, good for you for being in that moment and stepping into it. Um, can we give her a hand? I appreciate you taking the time to share. Okay. Um, th this is, I, I just do this. Yeah, you can put the mic right there. Thank you. So I, I wanted to do that, and I'd love to do more of this so that, A, you hear from each other kind of on what, you're experiencing in your faith journeys. And, and you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I had situations like that when I was in high school, um, and I had zero clue. I would have handled it way worse than Tessa. Um, and, uh, you, you know, so I want you to know that there's help in those scenarios. But I also want to encourage you, um, like, if you're paying attention to that story, like, she went to people, her mom and dad in that scenario, who were able to guide her through that that situation. One of the things that I got back actually said, I felt like there was this expectation to succeed, but no one was telling me how. Or I felt like there was this expectation to live a Christian life, but, but sometimes I felt like I was out there on my own. And so I want you as much as possible, we talked about this a little bit last week, but just to invite other people in. And in a lot of ways, that, that means inviting someone older to, to kind of share with you what we've been through. I, I want you to know that no adult in this room and no adult in this church, um, like, was born knowing what to do. Like, the, your youth leaders aren't youth leaders because we're some special breed. Like, we muddled through some of those hard conversations as well. In fact, I was even thinking as I was looking through pictures to figure out which picture to show you, I kind of had like a little bit of memory laying on some of my bad decisions too, you know, about how I didn't do well, how I didn't, you know, get it right the first time or the second or the third. 
And so um, here's, what, here's what I want to share. I want to share with you just a couple verses tonight. Um, but there's this verse in 1 Timothy that is like the most popular verse, and that's 1 Timothy 4.12. And this is, <clears throat> this is, if you think about what Paul is writing here, and he's saying like, hey, you've got a job to do. I've set you up as a leader. But here's Timothy's deal. He's a little probably worried, or maybe Paul senses that he's worried about, man, I'm in leadership, but I'm, I'm young. You know, I have this opportunity to be an influence, but I don't know if anyone's going to listen to me. And so Paul says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I love that verse because it just reminds me a couple things. First of all, there's all these different areas, okay? So if you just want to take a, a quick glimpse at these five different areas, speech. So what does it look like for you to set an example in speech? Or let me rephrase that question. Are you setting an example in your speech? Or let me rephrase it again. You are setting an example. What kind of example are you setting in your speech? What words do you say? Do you talk during my sermon, like right now in the back row? Oh, hi. Nice to see you. What example are you setting in speech? What example are you setting in conduct? What does conduct mean? Hmm? Yeah, your behavior. Like how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself. If someone were to look at your life, right, uh, maybe like a highlight reel of your life, and I don't mean all the best things you've ever done, just taking some snapshots of every day, how would they describe you as a person? How would they describe you? Would it be an example for believers or would it be an example for, for the world? What about love? There's this just kind of just giant, and I don't mean like lovey-dovey, like boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, husband, wife thing. I'm just talking about like, are you loving in the way that you walk in, in, in life? When, when someone wrongs you, do you respond with anger and with vitriol? When someone hurts you, when someone backstabs you, when, when you're having a bad day, you know, do you set an example in love? What about faith? What about when you're tempted to doubt God or fear or to make decisions in your life that are based on all those worldly things, would you set an example in faith? And then lastly, impurity. Impurity. And when I think about purity, I think about in all forms, right? I think sometimes in youth ministry, we see that word purity, and we're thinking about sexual purity, and that is certainly one version of this, but like purity is a, is a brain and a heart thing long before it's a physical thing. Right? And a lot of times what happens is, is your, your um, behavior walks out a certain path because impurity starts up here and in here first. And so what kind of example are you setting? Here's what I love about this verse too. Paul's saying, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. I sometimes read this and I'm thinking, hey students, you're young, let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example for the other students. Does that, is that kind of how you read it? I don't know why I default there. That's not what he's saying. He's saying set an example for the believers. Who, who are the believers? All of them. The 70, 80-year-olds. Set an example for them. Does that seem like a really steep mountain to climb? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's get like really crazy practical. If you were dead set on setting an example 
let's say Sunday morning you come to church, right? Whichever service you go to, 8, 39, 45, 11, 15, you're in this room. What would it look like to set an example for the believers in that moment? Yeah. Engaged and focused. How else? Let me tell you, I don't see this. I love you. You ready for this? I love you. I don't see this very often in our church. Still with me? I don't see our teenagers even close to trying to set an example. I see our teenagers slumping back, waiting for someone else to go first. I'll go to that. Who's going to go? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I want to go. Oh, you want me to set an example for the younger kids? I, I don't know. I'm just being honest. What would it look like for you to set an example? Let me ask you. Do you think I hear more like, hey, those students are going for it in worship on Sunday? Or, hey, those students are talking on Sunday. What do you think I hear more? Just being honest. I did not plan to talk about this, for the record. This is not some, like, axe to grind. What do you think I hear more? You nervous to answer? It's not good news. It's not good news. Do you think I hear more people say, hey, I could really tell they were engaged in worship, or, hey, I think they were sleeping on the front row? I don't care if it's early. Why? Like, what's the point of what we're doing? What's the point? Are we going to set an example for the believers in this, these areas? Or, or are we just going to fake it? Are we just going to fake it? I'm looking at Paul writing a letter to Timothy in this moment. And he's saying, hey, I put you in leadership over this church, right? You're going to serve these people. This is incredible. But don't be afraid. Right? God is with you and set an example for the church as you lead. At some point, I want you to lean in on this one. At some point, y'all are going to have to step into making these decisions and being your own person. I think there's so many teenagers right now just very okay with letting everyone else make a decision and just kind of following along. Who's going to step up and lead? Who's going to step up and be a leader? Who's going to step up and be an influence? Who's going to step up and set an example? Who's going to step up and say, I don't believe that that behavior is okay. I'm going this direction. I don't care who signed up for camp. I'm going to be the first one to sign up for camp. And I'm going to give my life. I'm going to invest a week of my life learning about Jesus over the summer. I don't care who signed up to serve. I'm going to be the first one to sign up to serve. I don't care if no one puts money in the offering. I'm going to be someone who says, I'm going to bring 10% of what I've earned, and I'm going to give it to the Lord in the offering. But we've got a group of teenagers, honestly, honestly, and I'm not just saying just y'all. I mean, you know, it's kind of like there's a generational thing happened. I want y'all to just step up, step up, and see this call to set an example. I'm going to be honest with you. This verse gets preached in every youth ministry 13,000 times a year. I guarantee you this gets, this gets preached and all this kind of stuff. I just need it to get received by y'all. Because, y'all, I can, I can talk till I'm blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you won't have received it. And what have we, what have we done? What have we done? I, um, I, I love this. Um, I'm going to scoot forward to chapter 6. Um, there's these two. He's going to kind of end the chapter with these two verses. 
And this kind of uh, sums up a little bit of what we said last week, but I wanted to kind of repeat it. First Timothy 6, 20 to 21. He's going to say, oh, Timothy, this is the end of the letter. The, the last words. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. What's the deposit? What's Paul giving Timothy? What has Paul given in the past, Timothy? Yeah? Go back even further. Before it was time for wisdom and knowledge. Told him about God. Because what, what did he call him in the first, in the first verse or the first chapter? You're my true son in the faith, right? This is someone who we think led Timothy to the Lord. Whether or not that was his salvation moment, we know that Paul discipled him. We know that he walked with him, did life with him. We taught him scripture and then like taught him how to lead and all this kind of stuff. So Paul's saying, guard, guard the deposit. Guard it. Right? I think in most cases, our Bible sits on a shelf and collects dust. That doesn't seem like guarding to me. That seems like lackadaisical, passive, lazy. That's not guarding. Right? Guard. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. I like that word falsely. I looked it up in the Greek, and it's essentially where we get our word pseudonym uh, or like false name. Um, and there's a lot that's out there. I just had a conversation with one of our young adults out in the lobby, and she said, I'm talking to this guy right now, and he's saying he, he's a Christian, but he doesn't agree most of what the church agrees with, and he's not willing to read his Bible. Where do I go? And I'm like, babble? <laughs> Contradictions, right? He's like, I'm a Christian. Don't feel like I need to read my Bible. I'm like, those are different things, right? He's like, he's like, She's like, how do, I, how do I teach him? It's like, he's got to read the Bible, right? It's like, well, I don't agree with that. It's because you haven't read the Bible. I don't know. you got to start somewhere, right? you got to read the Bible. For by professing it, some have swerved from their faith. Anyone remember that word swerved from last week? Swerved. That word has captured me, and I've just felt like it's something that we need to camp out on for this next 60 seconds before we close. I looked it up. In the Greek, it's this word, astokeo, astokeo. I'm not great at Greek. You're going to have to forgive me. I think it's a slide up there. But it essentially says to deviate from, to err, or to miss the mark, right? To swerve, um, to deviate from. Last week, we talked about Paul's warnings to Timothy that there's these people that are getting captured up in genealogies and mythologies and things like that, and they've left the focus of Scripture. They've left their focus and faith in the Lord, and they're deviating. They're swerving. Our world is swerving left and right right now. And Paul's warning to Timothy was that there's believers swerving. I can't I can't make you not swerve. I can't make you not deviate. You have to receive that. You have to guard that deposit. I want to tell you, you are a well-resourced group of people with uh, friends and family and like a church that loves you. And so I want you to receive that like the, like the, the, the gift that it is. Right? Everything that we have, everything that we've been given by God, we ought to say, like, God, you obviously have a big plan for us. 
You obviously have a big plan. I wonder if you're bold enough in prayer tonight to say, God, you obviously have big plans for me because of everything you've given me. And there's not a soul in this room that hasn't been given a lot. Some of you are like, oh, you don't know my life. I, where you are right now, freedom to worship, right? Sitting in this air-conditioned room, eating pizza, like we've been given a lot. Sure, we're all in different places in life, but here's what I want you to do. The words that I said at the beginning where I want you to maximize these years and how I want you to maximize these years is I want you to fill, and I'm really talking about your life, but I want to just kind of hyper-focus on summer for just a second. I want you to fill your days with purpose. Fill your days with purpose because summer is a great time to sleep in and go to movies and snow cones and pool parties, all that kind of stuff. It's great, and you should do those things. You should sleep in almost every day. You should. You should. Your parents may, may not say that. You should. Enjoy. I'm not saying go against your parents. I'm just saying you should relax. You should also not watch Netflix 18 hours a day, play Fortnite 24 hours a day, right? Eat nothing but Cheetos and just like never sleep and all this kind of, You should start a summer devotional. You should invest in making sure that you're here for church and ready to go. You should go to camp. You should sign up to serve at least one day this summer. Whether that's in church or through men's serve or through something else. There's all these opportunities. And I'll just tell you, there's a couple dates that, um, that I put together that I wanted to make sure that you're aware of. But honestly, more than that, I, I want to give you this. So uh, I'm going to end and I'm going to pray. I have our summer calendar. This just arrived uh, today at my house. And so it's got some like kind of save the date stuff. This is just please take one. Um, you can put this on your fridge and all this kind of stuff. But I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then uh, we're going to dismiss. Uh, just know that I love you guys. Here's what I'm trying to, uh, here's what, just give me 10 seconds. I want you to capture what God is trying to give you. Rather than just sit and wait for someone else to do it. Rather than sit and wait and see if everyone else, see if it catches. I'll do it when they do it. I'll do it when it becomes popular. It's not popular. It'll never be popular. You go after what God has given you. That's what Paul saying to Timothy. That's what I'm saying to you. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray the students would catch a fire. Catch a fire for the gospel. A fire for their relationship with you. And a fire to live it out. I do pray there would be moments where adults come to me just to say, oh my goodness, those students, there's something different about those students on Sunday morning. There's something different about those students showing up to serve. There's something different about those. I see them taking notes. I see them going for it in worship, engaged with the sermons. High-fiving people as they're coming in. But I pray that this group of students would be the one to be the example in our church. Not just for the other youth, not just for the sixth graders coming up, but for the church. Lord, I, uh, I know that you want to do something special with these students. I pray they would be bold enough to receive it.